right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird, and I am Willie B. And today we get a quick recap. We're gonna talk about SEMA, baby. SEMA was unbelievable, man. Wow, what an insane show. It is always insane. I mean, we've been going for 20 plus years, and every year we think, God, it, it's the biggest, it's the best it could ever be. And you go the next year and it's more crazy, bigger. Louder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The builds are amazing. The talent, the quality, it, it just doesn't stop. Like, there's a trajectory and there's no end to it, it seems like. Right, right. There's no doubt, man. And there was, I thought there was a lot of big shifts at SEMA this year. Just, just watching SEMA, right? So it wasn't that long ago, just a couple of years, we had all the big three. You oh, know, yeah. the big three were a big component, right? But now, with the big three whoo, removed from the equation, it's, it's a little different. It's it's wild what's taking up that void and space and oh, some new cars, some new builds, some new faces, some new attitude, all about SEMA. I think a first-time attendee would probably not notice, right? Because SEMA is really about True. the aftermarket. But, you know, when you've yeah. seen the lay of the land, right, you walk into, you know, whatever, your old house that you grew up in, like just there's certain things about it that feel like they've always right, been right. there. Right, and the th big three were like the big pillars, uh, you know, and that's really kind of the feed point, right? The big three spit something out, right? The new Mustang, the new C6 Corvette, C8 Corvette, whatever generation, and then the aftermarket just goes nuts, uh, and they weren't there, right? So the, the fountain, right, the spigot was kind of <laughs> gone, but all the, you know, the garden is still growing, right? Everything yeah. is still yeah, flourishing, man. so it was weird, different, but okay right it's still all great it was wild man because you know i think it's opening up a little bit of a well an avenue for different platforms different builds different wild conceptions like man who would have ever guessed i thought one of the wildest cars was that mercure you know uh yeah. you know yeah. that, that's just a wild weird car you know it had an eco beast in it not an eco boost but an eco beast 
just a wild, crazy car. Um, and, and some of the other builds that of old, like Datsuns or old BMWs, I thought made a big impression. Uh, you know, obviously, you're going to get a, a an enormous share of you know your Chevrolet, Ford, Mopar, muscle cars. There's always going to be the '69 Camaro that's just over the top, and the, you know Chevelles and so forth, along with the Mustangs. And we saw several of those. Um, one of which we sit there and we're just puzzled by the car uh, for a good 15, 20 minutes. Uh, and you know some Mopars, but I think really the standout. I only saw one Charger, and that one Charger was the Ring Brothers car. And man, oh, we'll man. put a little. We'll put a little a bit of time on the podcast on that thing. There only needed to be one Charger there this year. Trust <laughs> me. Well, you know, if you had a Charger and you brought it this year with the Ring Brothers Charger there, no one would have paid any attention to it. Right, right. It would have got you hurt. Because <laughs> the it Ring Brothers one was just so amazing. Uh, yeah, it was fantastic. You know, and it's right at that Ring Brothers level. Those guys are top of the game. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And they, they talk about, like, the builds have progressed to where uh, you need some trim molding around the front grill, right? Uh, you know, you could use the stock one. You could modify the stock one. Uh, you could make something from scratch. Or you could take an 800-pound piece of billet and <laughs> right. trim out everything except the front grill. Yeah, You know, yeah. like, <laughs> that's how things uh, have gotten. Jim was like, Willie, come here. You know this, this factory piece is six pieces, right? He's like, we literally took a 438 piece of billet, made this. <laughs> I know, and there's uh, like seven pounds left over at the right, end. Right. You know? like, <laughs> <laughs> but that's uh, kind of where these guys are at. Like the amount of, uh, let's say, investment money that people are willing to spend to be bigger, better, and top of the game uh, just allows the builders to go nuts. It's, it's yeah. It's cool and it's daunting at the same time. Like you don't want it to get so far away that you don't feel connected to it. But at the same time, they deliver stuff that's just so amazing uh, that, oh, how can you deny it, you know? Look, there, there's no way the majority of people that watch or listen will ever feel connected to that Ring Brothers type <laughs> build. It's just too far out of this world. I mean, carbon fiber, everything. Uh, you know, chunks of billet whittled down to seven pounds. You know, they started out hundreds of pounds. You know, that's, uh, that's a flex totally beyond my, my pay scale. However, um, man, there were so many cool builds. Oh, and another thing about SEMA 23 that was so fascinating, the special guest. And we've got a great one, the one and only Jeremy McGrath. My friends, if you're into anything with a throttle on it, uh, you're going to love Jeremy McGrath. This guy is a legend, an icon in motorsports, and we get to chat with him one-on-one. Stoked about that. It's the Two Guys Garage podcast. Yes, it is 2024. Yes, it was SEMA 23, but relax. It was just like a month and a half ago, and we're going to take you on a trip. So buckle up. We'll see you after the break. He is Kevin Bird. I'm Willie B, and this is the Two Guys Garage podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird and I am Willie B. And fired up, man. We're talking SEMA 2023. I know it's 24 now, but you know, it's just like, God, it's just November. <laughs> uh, 
It was last year, Kevin. Yeah. It was last year. No doubt. But hey, man, SEMA was awesome, like we talked about before the break. And, you know, you run into so many great people, so many great companies, products. It, it's mind-blowing. You can't get it all in. Uh, but one thing I am of, super jealous, you know, I ran into some great cats, right? We're both kind of caught up with the Ring Brothers. Yeah, so yeah. many other guys, Chip Foose, you name it. Uh, but you got to catch up with one of my heroes, you know? And uh, we talked about, you know, going to the break, Jeremy McGrath, dude. Seven-time Supercross champion and motocross champion. This guy, he's one of my favorites. He's one of the all-time legends, man. So I know you had to grow up watching him, man. So yeah. what, is, what is Jeremy McGrath to you? Well, you know, man, I raced pro motocross for a number of years. Most of the trophies back here are cars or motocross. The majority of them is motocross. Uh, a couple of the big ones on state championships. Uh, so for me, Jeremy McGrath, man, he's, he's a legend. I love the old Jeremy McGrath, Jeff and McBattles. I, I had a moment to catch up with him. He's there repping Max's tires. So Max is, is doing a ton of stuff in the automotive side and the, the motocross side. We know Max's tire. They've been around for a minute. And they're, dude, they're a notorious just rough and rumble tire out in any condition right the king of hammers stuff like that but what they're doing for motocross is banging too uh and jeremy well he tells us all about it man i get to spend like 15 minutes with this guy and this is 15 minutes of cool mainly on him too check this out all right you guys man here we are sema 2023 kind of tucked away because right here the man the myth the legend i'm fired up to talk to him in the podcast jeremy mcgrath man dude thanks so much for taking some time bro oh man so stoked yeah man uh now you've been doing so much this guy is a motorsports icon back in the days in motocross sports you guys know i love motocross uh man jeff Emick, right ricky carmichael those days man we'd be screaming at our tv like oh go showtime baby showtime <laughs> Where so many of us tried the knack knack, he really was the first guy doing that in motocross, and we run out to the track and step off our bike and then crash, wad up, and be like, ah, time to do it again, man. Yeah. So, bro, a lot of people hurt on the knack knack. <laughs> yeah. Um, so tell us, hey, what you're doing out here? You know, this year, I know you're a tire ambassador and a real hard racer and pusher of Maxis. Tell us a little bit about that, man. Yeah. So uh, here we are, SEMA 2023. Uh, you know, I've been working with Maxis, I've been a brand ambassador, a racer, uh, tire developer, sort of, uh, you know, jack of all trades when it comes to Maxis. We've developed some great tires. Uh, but yeah, just, we're here at SEMA. I got, I did a van build. We got the new yeah. Razor ATS on there, which is, you know, the light truck, UT, you know, uh, utility vehicle type tire, right. good for snow. So yeah, I'm just kind of out here representing Maxis and just hanging out, seeing yeah, cool guys like yourself. Well, tire technology itself has changed so much, man. Just, you know, it's funny because I think a lot of people probably have a misconception of how much technology is in that tire, oh, yeah. right? Whether it's sand, mud, gravel, rocks, whatever, and banging, you know, sidewalls, lugs, and just, you know, just tearing up terrain. Um, you know, as far as developing that, man, it takes a certain compound, certain traction, certain lug pattern to get everything biting and hooking and, and right. And when you do, man, you see what you guys at Maxis are really throwing on the rigs out there that are really excelling. Yeah, it takes, you know, it takes a lot of time when you're developing a tire. We have done developed the new Maxis MXST, the IH, the SI for the motocross tires. We've done, man, two, three, four years extensive work on that stuff. And like you said, you know, the compounds, the sidewall strengths, the different carcasses they lay, yeah. uh, it all applies the same way when you're talking about autos, right? I mean, we've, yeah. we've had the race truck, we've had the van. I mean, there's yeah. Maxis, uh, 
you know, is doing extensive testing on this stuff all the time. And that's why you, that's why you have the magic, man. Yeah. I mean, the tires are magic because they do a lot of testing and they they care about what they're doing. Amen to that. And tell me what you've been doing, man, as a, as a guy out here that, you know, for so many of us motocrossers and just motorsports fans, they followed you throughout the years, man. Uh, just so cool that that you know here you are still still repping and riding and and you know ripping it up man winning where you can yeah i mean i just try to stay active as much as possible i still loving my dirt bike uh yeah I, a lot of people want to know do you still ride i still ride yeah, yeah of course i'm Whoa. getting ready to go race world vet this next weekend so i race old guy races these days yes, which old is guy but still i'm just getting out on my dirt bike and it's just therapeutic you know and then uh you know my family and i we, we do a lot of side by siding yeah. so cowie's got the krx we get out i've competed in hammers okay. a couple of times with the krx how sick is that man that's oh, that's man. gotta be oh it's unbelievable that you know oh. when i first started rock crawling i was like there's no way you can get through this stuff of course we have yeah. the rockzillas on the car which stick to the rocks you know and the grab it's like the old school stomper yeah yeah, yeah. but uh stop, i mean stop. the uh the rock things. sections you go to and you're like no way we're getting through that and then we do so now my i have two daughters they're getting into it they've been racing off-road uh, they raced the Mint 400 yeah. last year. Been doing some local DP4 races, and so we're an off-road family. That's what we're doing. I'm riding dirt bikes, but we're also riding side by sides. And yeah, well, the side by side world is just blown up, man. I mean, there's so many people out yeah, there in side by side. Well, because you can't take the whole family, and you can, and those things rip, man. People don't understand those things. When you're you're they're winging them, man, they're unbelievable. The fun you have in, and you feel a little bit like Superman because you got a cage around you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah exactly. Just it's, don't stick your arm out. Just yeah. note right here. I almost took my finger off. <laughs> if if rolling over, hold on to the steering wheel. Yes. Do not stick hand out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've all done it, so you're not alone. Uh, but yeah, I mean the side by sides are so fun. You know, I'm 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 doing a lot of that with my kids and and my friends, and we go to Baja and we oh, just God. do do these different races and. And of course, riding mountain bikes and riding dirt bikes and just, man, just kind of loving all things off-road. Yeah, man. Yeah. Did you ever think, dude, riding dirt bikes? Because, you know, you started out, we all know the story. Did you ever think riding dirt bikes would elevate you no. to now, no. decades it's later? Crazy. It's crazy to even think about because, you know, when I first started riding dirt bikes or racing dirt bikes, I didn't race to, like, I, I just love dirt bikes. Yeah. I didn't race to be the Jeremy McGrath that everybody knows of now. You know, it just kind of all happened. But, uh would I f have thought that I'd still be working in the industry in this like 30 year career of all this yeah. stuff? No way. It's just, it's provided me a crazy, unbelievable life that I never imagined oh, wow, and lots of, you know, access to a lot of stuff. And, and man, it's just, it's just been awesome. Yeah. You look back, I mean, obviously you got to miss it because there's certain, I mean, dude, you in, in that era, were king of the hill, man. Like it was so wild to watch those battles and those fierce back and forth you would have, you know, yeah. Emic and Oh, we were know, bad. Like, we were oh, big rivals. Man. Oh God, yeah. It was uh it was wild. But but I mean, to have that sort of command of of that motorsport, you know, for so sort many of world years, right dude. There. Yeah. yeah, dude, that yeah. That's that's something it was elite. something else. You know, I look back on that now and I'm like, man, I can't even believe that that was happening, you know, but um you know, it was a, it was, it was the world we were living in. The '90s were just blowing up. You know, yeah. and like racing dirt bikes, no overhead, right? Just kind of just living crazy, yeah. having fun, and being a being a pro athlete. I mean, there's, that's that's what dreams, dreams are made, are made of. Right of. Right yeah, yeah, that's what dreams are made of. So, uh, you know, again, just such a fun life, um, and all all because of the dirt bike. I would have yeah. never thought of that. Yeah. yeah. 
And such a blessed career too, man, because you did it in a way. Yeah, we all, anybody that rides dirt bikes, they're going to get hurt. Oh, yeah. It's not really a matter of if, it's just when, right? I mean, right. I mean, I was really lucky enough to be able to have a pretty pretty long and complete career without a lot of injuries. Yeah. Yeah, I broke my wrist once. Yeah, I did oh, yeah, tweak yeah. my knee. I've done, <laughs> I've done some stuff, but a lot less crashing than my buddies did, right? right. So I was able to make the races, finish the races, win the races, and, uh, you know, it made all the difference in the world. So... Um, Again, Supercross was so fun, and just being a pro dirt bike rider was pretty cool. I mean, there's a certain swagger that goes with that, man. You're taming up. It's pretty extreme. You're a beast, dude. Yeah, people don't, I don't think a lot of people quite get, you know. It's funny, because when you're in the stands, and you see guys doing triples, or pulling out big doubles, or it's a motocross, or Supercross, right? You you see their their crap, their discipline, right? right? And you look at it, and you know, you guys make it look easy. And then you go out, like, I used to go ride the pro tracks, uh, you know, Thunder Valley in Denver after after the pros went. And, man, it was like, God, the ruts, you know, this deep. Oh, and, yeah. you know, the, the launches are, you know, on the turn Sideways, coming out. Yeah, yeah and big double, up. big jump. Yeah, it's, it's wild <laughs> to see the battleground. Yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's funny with, with being sports, you know, enthusiasts of a lot of things. We, we watch the best guys in the world do all their, you know, their sports. And all the best guys make it look easy then you then you go out there and try it you're like wow okay because it sometimes it doesn't you know you you would think people like oh that that looks really easy but then you go try it i mean supercross in general is like crazy the jumps are huge they're right on top of each other and i mean if you crash these days the bikes just tackle you you know yeah yeah. so uh it's pretty extreme and to be able to you know survive a career like that is pretty i'm pretty thankful yeah man and you use that to springboard into so many other motorsports and now you know, with, with Maxis, for example, you, you've helped them develop a tire brand that makes them above and beyond, you know, what a lot of people are doing and finding out there. So it's it's kind of wild to watch that transition, you know, watch the career just keep growing and developing and, and using your knowledge, man. Yeah, yeah, Maxis, you know, <clears throat> I was lucky to springboard from Supercross and Motocross to off-road racing, yeah. uh, to side-by-side racing, just kind of like, uh, of course, I always rode uh, BMX and then mountain bikes because that's where I started. Um, but to be able to springboard into these other things and then to be repping a great company like Max, I mean, we've had so much fun developing. Their <laughs> motocross tires are so good, and we spent a lot of time doing that. But, you know, uh, they're just sort of coming on, you know, yeah. like it's just kind of popping. But, I mean, the off-road truck tires are just the king of the hill. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, Maxis kind of has it covered when it comes to the broad of, right. I mean, you got moto, you got mountain bike, you got side-by-side, you got truck, you got off-road truck you got rock crawl i mean they have everything so uh, we have a lot of fun we have a lot of fun yeah we have a lot of fun using a lot of great tires yeah man and nothing like beating up on them and and you know so what they could do but you know for you what a cool you know again sema 2023 what a cool stage for everybody to come up and you know just sitting out there it's it's got to be wild because people are walking by and like showtime baby showtime yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. it's funny it's funny these days still still to get a little bit of that you know at, at our, our older age these days yeah but, yeah yeah um you know a lot of guys used to watch supercross are at sema right i mean this right. is like off-road moto this type of stuff so i'm um, seeing a lot of fun you know, fans and friends and stuff out here. It's going to be cool, man. All right. I got to ask you a little flashback. Yep, yep. If you could take back. All right. What was your toughest? What do you think out of, out of your whole career? What is the toughest race and or series you think you've ever, you've ever done? Well, for me, you know, Supercross was sort of like it, it came pretty easy. 
in the okay. beginning, right? Because I was like, I think through my BMX background, we had the timing, the yeah. jumps, all the stuff, and it was kind of like, I really excelled at Supercross. So motocross for me was a little bit harder, more of a challenge, yeah. a lot more work. So when I finally accomplished uh, getting to the top of the motocross outdoor world, yeah. um, <clears throat> that was pretty cool for me because I didn't, you know, when I was younger, I was pretty lazy, I think. I didn't really want to work hard. Supercross came pretty easy. But then I started figuring out how to use the work and the hard work method with the talent. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, equals it equals greatness. So uh, to be able to get, be indoor Supercross champ and motocross champ at the same time was a pretty big one. Yeah, had to be huge, man. Yeah, it was huge. Back in the old days of Krusty Demons of Dirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, shooting videos in the off season. Yeah, it's yeah, fun. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The good old days. Yeah, so wild, man. And now, you know, you see this. It, it's got to be weird as you as you trend through that and, and look at that, like your kids, your family, and the legend that is Jeremy McGrath that you, you leave here. Your name will be synonymous in motocross as, as far as the Hall of Champions goes, man. Like you got such a cool place there, you know? Yeah, you know, I feel fortunate. I've made a lot of great relationships through the throughout, you know, my career of, of, of the motorcycle world, now expands into the truck world. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's been, uh, again, it's something I never dreamed of, you know? Now, now, now on my off time, I'm building my van, I'm building like these yeah. cool builds. I have my Ram Dooley at home that I'm putting 37s on it, yeah. uh, you know, like in next week, so just, doing really fun cool projects these days with it's a little payoff from all that hard work early on in your career yeah right yeah, yeah yeah so i mean it's good i got a i got a decent little work schedule so what would you say was your hardest competitor to go against uh, it had to be, yeah, it had to be ricky. jeff emig yeah. i mean ricky's 10 years younger right so he was the one that kind of coming up he come and took yeah. over as i was going out so ricky i mean i've known him since he's a little kid his mom and dad and my mom and dad are buddies and and uh, i've he's come out to California, just hung out with us. When we were in Florida, we hang out with him. And yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, that, that was kind of the natural progression. But I mean, head to head rivals, Emig was pretty, he was like my main rival, you know, like we battled hard and oh, God, didn't yeah. like each other necessarily so much <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in the <laughs> days, you know. Blood, yeah, you know? we were just ramming each other off the track yeah, and stuff like that. So when you guys were fighting for it, was it, you guys made it a little personal? Oh, it was personal for sure. I mean, we've, we've all grown up now and we yeah. got over that stuff, but you know, it was personal. We, we had some of the friend, same friend group. So it was tough on all the friends, right? Because it would like half the friends would, you know, would be hanging with me and then they'd switch over and hang with So it was, it was a weird little dynamic there, yeah. especially when he was living out in California. Um, so, uh, but you know, you need it, you need a good rival to excel oh, yourself, right? You, yeah, like, you, you need someone to just be like, I'm beating you know that guy because yeah. that's what I need to do. Um, if it if you didn't have a guy that you didn't like or something like that, then you might not try as hard. Right, exactly. So I, I it it thrilled me every week to yeah. like just whoop his butt. That's yeah. what I was going for. <laughs> so uh, you need everyone needs a great sports rival, you know. Amen, man. Well, that competition breeds, you know, a, another level and a championship, you know, sort of uh, yeah. person persona in you. So, well, man, dude. All right, so. Look at the camera. Any any words of wisdom to give uh, future racers, motocrossers, side by side? Really, anybody want to get behind the wheel, man? Give them give them some wisdom. Well, here's the thing. I think first of all, first of all, you got to have fun, right? Because that's why we all do this stuff. And if you if you're having fun and you're passionate about it, you're going to be good at it. So go. I'd say you just on the dirt bike, take it slow. On the side by side, mash the throttle. <laughs> Ready to go. Jeremy McGrath motorsports icon legend and and all things he does man just 
Hey, absolute honor and pleasure to have Thank a few minutes so with much, you, man. Man. Thank you Appreciate so much, man. Thank you so much. Have a great CMOS. Yeah. Awesome. We'll do you guys. All right. Back with the podcast. You know, as that wrapped up, I was almost going to challenge him to a race, but <laughs> he told me he's still throttling, man, so I, I didn't want none of it. <laughs> yeah, no doubt he's still in the game, man. It's it's awesome. Yeah, he's man, had he's 30 still throttling. years of just tearing it up in every type of class and vehicle, and so that might have been a tough one. I, I'm, yeah, man. It's probably smart not to go there. Just, you know, dude on the sidewalk, just, you know, squaring him up. I'm like, man, I could definitely take that dude on a dirt bike. He would just, he would just lather me, man. He would just lather me and roost. It would just be awful. He'd lay you out, man. He'd uh, lay you out. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. But it'd be so cool to ride with that guy. I've been on track after they get done, you know, um, as a guy that raced a, a couple as an amateur back in the day. They would come through Colorado and we get to track it on Sunday after they raced on Sunday, Saturday. And those ruts, bro, three, four foot deep. It was just, it was, it was unbelievable how they would leave the track it'd be cool to ride with them i'd get right out of the gate you know we'd be like side by side you know for like about a foot and a half and then it'd be like go dude go and then you know he'd come around behind me after he laps me i'd be like and we'd have another two or three feet side by side you know and then i'd just be like go it'd be so cool you know kevin and i got to walk through the aisles see some really cool cars really cool builds let's tell you about a couple of them coming up next get through this break. This is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And we'll see you after the break. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. You know, guys, we're talking about SEMA. SEMA's kind of wild this year because, so right out of the gate, you didn't have the big three, something that we're used to seeing. Uh, Kevin, you and I noticed that, especially, you know, Ford wasn't they're in their normal representation. Toyota took over their footprint, and they had a lot of cool Toyotas there. <laughs> they did. Mopar wasn't there, which I normally, I'm making my way over to that North Hall right out the gate. And then Chevrolet wasn't there. Um, some performance stuff, but it really didn't take away from the amazing build and the crazy aftermarket and what the aftermarket is doing right now. So just top of mind, um, did you have particular builds that you were just blown away by? And if so, what were the top three? Well, we talked about that Charger. I mean, that thing was just oh, man. perfect. It was sweet. It still looked classic. You know, you can take an old car and you can modify it so much that it tries to look like a new car and it just loses some of its nostalgia and whatever. And that was just a perfect blend. You know, Hellfent powertrain, right? Just cleaned up, just beautified, perfect paint. Everything's straight as heck. You know, nice interior. Looks like a car you would want to drive, except that you know what the price tag is. So that was definitely <laughs> one of my favorites. You know, what was a weird yeah. one, also by the Ring Brothers, uh, we got to check out, was that Rolls-Royce. They built a Rolls-Royce on a completely new, you know, rolling chassis, LS-based, uh, moved some stuff around, re-interiored the thing. You know, not the kind of car I'd want, but I'm sure that guy was pretty happy about it. Uh, I wouldn't say top of my list of favorites, but it was an... You know, it was an interesting one. It shows you the the full spectrum of SEMA. Yeah, yeah. But you know what it showed me? It showed me how cool the Ring Brothers are. Because here are the Ring Brothers chatting to us about, about the building a car. And you got to imagine those guys are insanely busy. Uh, I imagine their phone just is popping all the time. Guys want questions answered, want to pick the brains. So they don't have time to talk to everybody. And he, he makes that point very clear. We don't talk to every customer because every customer would say, hey, man, I got a 66 Dodge Charger. And let me tell you about my dad when he drove that car. They just don't have time for it. However, the lady who was taking the phone call that day had this particular person who wanted that Rolls Royce had on speakerphone. 
And as, as the guys were walking through, the guy that owned that car said, look, I'm just going to be honest. He tried several times to reach out to him, and the lady said, well, they're not in right now, or they're busy, they don't take no, normal calls. And he said, well, I'll just be honest. He said, quote, I sold my company, and I got a lot of money to spend, so I sure would <laughs> like to talk to him. Wait, and wait, wait, let Jim me take that call. Yeah, he's like, you know what? I'm going to take that call. <laughs> he said, just put that call through in my office. Let me have a word with him. And they were on the phone for like an hour, uh, something that rarely happens. But the guy was so cool, and he did. He sold a, a big company, uh, and he, was, he belonged to a Rolls Royce club. Now, that is something spectacular. It's one thing to show up in a Rolls Royce, a modern Rolls Royce with that antique look, um, and be one of many, right? Rolls Royce cars are you know, they're insane anyway, you rarely see them, but to show up to a place that has a number of them, well, that's just, that's extraordinary. But to have have one that had that Detroit Speed chassis, um, you know, all the crazy performance and power numbers, the 0-60 numbers, the handling, but still they kept every amenity and every extra you could ever imagine, uh, complete with a gray Poupon mustard bottle in the back of it, which of I, I thought was the perfect icing on the cake. Yeah, so that was a that was an odd one. But uh, what what jumped out for you? What was kind of unique? So you know, I saw a number of challengers. I thought were really slick and cool and cooters. And you know, I'm a Dodge guy. Not a lot of Chargers. I thought that was surprising. Um, but for me, for me, I, I, I'm a so uh, this is gonna pain people. But I love some of the BMWs. I love some of the Mercedes. I love some of the the wild European stuff. That you see just getting, just getting, I mean, just dialed in and dialed up with big engines, massive power, crazy performance. I'm, I'm with you 100%, man. I really, when we talk about it so often, I love how the hot rod uh, spectrum has blown up. Because you couldn't take a lot of those cars and, and really give them much credence when they came with, uh, you know, such a tiny little four-cylinder engine or even a straight six. You know, but once we came out with with Boost, you know, Mega Boost, uh, the aftermarkets really jumped on board. Powertrain swaps. Now you've got horsepower, you know, through the roof. Whatever you want, whatever vehicle platform, you can throw thousand horsepower at it, six hundred, eight hundred, you know, two thousand. It doesn't matter. Like now you can make anything out of anything. And then when you start throwing on some flares, some bodywork. Uh, big tires, drive lines, big brakes, you know, the aftermarket again, supporting all this stuff. And, you know, go back 20 years, uh, you know, we started overhauling show and stuff, um, you know, moving sheet metal, moving metal, really fabricating things wasn't so commonplace. But now, 20 years later, right, this last 10 years or so, people have capabilities that they've never had to build insano stuff. You know, the yeah. great tools that we can have, you know, just... Wow. So I fully agree with you. I, I think all these different makes and models that were just, you know, little sleepers can now be completely imagined into something that'll smoke the doors off you if you're yeah. not paying attention, you know? So there's a lot of new flavors going on. And, and a lot of reflavoring or rebuilding in new just a new way some of the older school like i saw a few more 57 chevys than i think i've seen there in a number of years but they were different right still mm. had the you know the kind of mothership of hot rod and what i call 57 chevy you know they still had the lines but 
man, they were doing wild and weird things with it. They were dropping them. They were making them really rad pro touring stuff. They were putting, you know, crazy cool skirts into the, the fender lips and the, and the side moldings and just uh, doing some really cool stuff. They were getting rid of the, the fin, the shark fin on it, doing some custom paint or something wild in there. And it was, uh, it was cool to see those cars, you know, sort of have a resurgence and, and you know, just like like we we're talking about, a lot of European stuff, a lot of old Nissan and Toyota stuff was popping mm-hmm. off. Yeah. Well, like you said, you know, you take a '57 Chevy, we're used to seeing them in some fashion that reminds you of the movie Grease. You know, like, and you know, fast forward again, people's imaginations, stance, tires, you know, slight movements in the in the metal and the shapes and whatever, and and it has a whole different persona, a different vibe, a different feel to it. You know, so it's really fun to see all these progressions of, of style and, you know, the take on it, the stances on them. Uh, they become different vehicles. Hey, and I'd be remiss if we didn't mention the Lamborghini with a Cummins diesel in it. Oh, I don't think I <laughs> saw that one uh, except on social. Uh, but no, I no, heard about you it. You did. Uh, Hot Shots. It was at the Hot Shots oh, Secret you're deal. right. That's yes, right. right. I drug you over and made you look at it. Yes. Right beside the, the fake Tesla sounding you know, mufflers. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, tell me that was bananas. Yeah, that one had my brain grinding. <laughs> you know, like I remember talking to those guys for a second and they and they were talking about Insano performance, which I totally believe. Yeah, 1200 like, horsepower. Yeah, um, that's one of those ones I, I don't know I would go there. But... If somebody wants to do their thing, you know, and they're writing the checks for it and paying with their sweat equity, sure. But who would think, right? Yeah, (laughs) wild, man. And again, uh, just an overwhelming number of trucks um, and so forth. Really, you know what was cool and what was kind of different this year? um, You know, patina's been a thing. Um, and I think obviously unbelievable paint jobs, uh, still just bring the house down. That charger was something that they were hitting with a microfiber in the ring brothers tent every two seconds because it was so mirrored, you know? Uh, but there were a lot of people that were showing up with incredible drivetrains, incredible performance upgrades, unbelievable interiors and amenities, but the cars were just rusted buckets like for some reason rust in old school is in even dirt i think the more dirt you could pile on some of the cars and say hey it's a survivor um hey the happier some people looking at it will be you know it's interesting because there's a, a big wave for a while of rat rods and you know you'd see just rat rods everywhere and there'd be sections of them um and i, I haven't noticed that lately and i th- I feel like it's transitioned a little bit because there is a pushback. There's a, I don't want to spend 30 grand on paint. Totally get it. You know, That's I just want to have fun with my car. Paint job. I, I get it, you know? Uh, so rat rods were kind of a uh, dare to be different, do something cool, wild, mean in your face, and also not spend 30, 50 grand on paint and, you know, another year of your life or whatever. But I think, um, you know, maybe some of that's transitioned into, you know, the love of patina because it's the same you know, overlap of, you know, let me just take something cool. Let me do something cool with it and not make it so darn shiny and new and, you know, over the top expensive that I can't go enjoy it. Yeah. And I think that's key because there's a lot of people that will build a car to just sit, you know, and it it's great, but the car, 
I mean, that car is a, a lion, right? It's a, it's a caged beast. If you're throwing all this money and performance and sticky tires and, you know, suspension, exhaust and all the crazy cool at it. I mean, that car wants to, that car wants to run. It wants to get out. It wants to eat, man. It wants to get out to a track. It wants to stretch its legs. I mean, sitting there looking at it is great. But I think nowadays you're seeing people that actually use these cars, get them out, bang on them, drive them, uh, use them and love them. And I think that's going to, that's going to open up the door to so many more people enjoying it because, you know, if you're not afraid to scratch it and drive it, a lot more people are going to go out there and drive it. Oh man, I'm, I'm all about it. I'm, I'm a big promoter of, uh, you know, run anything you're building and not be so afraid of it, but I get it. You spend a lot of money and you just, you know, door dings and all the dumb stuff, all the rock chips and everything, you know, like, so, but think about it. You know, it's, it's interesting because an old rusty car in stock form, you just kind of walk right by. But all of a sudden, an old rusty car with some kind of uh, killer chassis under it breaks and 800 horsepower plus, and you're like, damn, that's a cool car. You right, know, it looks right. the same. <laughs> but you know what's under it and the fun factor it's bringing uh, changes oh, everything. Yeah. It's great, oh, man. man. I love it. I love it. It's got the riz, baby. It's got the riz. <laughs> That's right. That's uh, right. No doubt, man. And if you're out there building something like that, hey, man, keep up the good work. Uh, hopefully, you check out our show. Pick up a, a instant little trick or tip or something that we can show you and share with you. That's always good in our show. Airs weekend on Motor Trend TV, also on Motor Trend Plus, which is a streaming format and a great resource to find us. My man, Kevin Bird. I am Willie B, our producer, Scoop, and executive producer, Bob uh, Ecker, for the Two Guys Garage podcast. Yeah, and don't forget to check out our website, twoguysgarage.com. Check us out on social. We're everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Two Guys Garage. The Two Guys Garage podcast. It's copyright 2024. Britain Productions Incorporated. All rights reserved. All right, guys, hope you loved our little recap of SEMA. We got more coming at you, so make sure to follow our future episodes. We'll catch you on the next Two Guys Garage podcast. Two Guys Garage podcast is a production of Britain Productions. For more episodes, visit iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.